Welcome to the Why God Why podcast, brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnivale, and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our guest, Peter Englert, the Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today we have our guest, Brett Hirsch. He's a biochemist at uh, Ortho Clinical Diagnostics. And we're talking about why God, why can't science answer all of our questions? It's going to be a good one, Peter and John. So this uh, this podcast is under the Corona files for us. So we're doing this all virtually. Dylan did that all off the top of his head. So I got to say that was awesome. And speaking I've done of it once before, so there you go. Speaking of uh, the coronavirus and lockdown and quarantine, um, we scheduled this a few weeks before, and here we are. And how cool is it that we're talking to a scientist about it? What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, this is very, um, very real time for us, I feel like. Never has our country appreciated scientists more than they appreciate scientists right now. I feel like never have we paid more attention to what they're saying. The fact is we're all in our houses right now because a bunch of scientists have told us to do so and that that's going to be what's healthy for us. And we're trusting them. And actually, I think that's a good thing that we're trusting them. Uh, And so I'm excited to talk with Dr. Brett Hirsch because this is an area of expertise for him. And uh, it's going to be a really exciting conversation. So why don't we get away from us non-scientists, Peter, and get right into the scientist in this discussion? Uh, Welcome, Brett. Welcome to this conversation. We're so glad to have you here on Why God Why. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you tell us, maybe the first question is, what area of science are you involved in and uh, what are you most passionate about? Sure. Um, So I'll start with the latter part. What am I most passionate about? That's uh, the interface of science and health. It's always been uh, what drove me. I um, have a grandfather who was a doctor that was a good role model for me. I thought originally growing up, I'd like to be a doctor, but once I found my way to the lab, I couldn't get out. So (laughs) so I've ended up uh, working in fields that relate to both chemistry and how that relates to medicine. So my background involves uh, the early stages of drug design while I was working on my PhD and during my postdoc. And now I'm in clinical diagnostics. So helping doctors figure out um, what's gone wrong and then they can decide how to fix it best. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, just that that's a lot right there. And I'm sure that there's some scientific people here. Um, Others of us like myself are probably like resonating with that. But why don't you just kind of take us through a daily week of your role in, you know, the research and development of like what you do um, so that we better understand how you know, you're kind of using your gifts to really help the world around you. Sure. Um, So I run a small team at OrthoClinical. as some great scientists that I work with, and I help manage and guide them to run all the tests we need to do to develop uh, new ways of testing patients and improve uh, doctor-patient care. So uh, I've been in the lab since 2005. I'm a little more out of it now, but I I managed to get in there today, so I still try to get in there when I can. 
Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, here's a question for you. I did not include this, you know, in the questions ahead of time. So feel free to to either say, John, I'm not answering that one or, you know, <laughs> make up something on the fly. But, uh, you know, as I think about it, one of the things that people might be asking, we got somebody who's an expert in this field right here that we're talking to is, is maybe what has most surprised you about this coronavirus situation? Like what is, as someone who's a scientist, who is in this in their day in and day out, this is your field. Like what has most surprised you about, about this virus and, and just how people are responding to it maybe? Sure. Um, From a scientific perspective, I think the way that it's transmitted has been, has kept us guessing, kept scientists guessing, mm. asymptomatic or, or things like that. Uh, how is it being transmitted and how did it get around the world? Because it, it spread much faster than other similar viruses like SARS or MERS or things like that. So I think that's been pretty surprising for a lot of us in the scientific community. Um, and that's also why I think some people think scientists that we are uh, we're just guessing, and it's not true. We're taking our best guesses, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's really an, uh, an evolving situation. It's a novel virus, and so we're trying our best to understand it. Uh, whereas we've only had a few months to actually been able to test our theories. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're learning a lot, and I think you're going to see a lot of progress in the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, but it's really been a unique challenge. So, Brett, let me just, you know, because I think pastors are typically, uh, I'll just kind of say insecure about science. So there's been a few articles out there that, you know, pastors still have church. And, you know, we've done a few episodes on just how pastors and Christians have been kind of damaging to science. What really bothers you most about some of the Christian response to the coronavirus that you've seen? Hmm. Um, you say it again, just so I could digest it. Sure. What, when you think about the way Christians are responding to science and the coronavirus, what's like really, you know, disappointing you in this, especially as someone that faith is so central to your life? Right. Um, I, I think what's been disappointing is that People seem, and I think this is a, a, a kind of a, a big topic, is Christians seem to mistrust science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that conflict is invented. I, I don't, I've worked through that in my life. I've, I've wrestled with those questions. But in the end, science is examining God's creation. So mm-hmm. saying God created it this way or made it this way, but I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe it works the way it works. Mm. It's frustrating. I mean, there are ways that God made the world to work and to ignore them and say, oh, I don't believe in that is kind of negating a little bit of how creation was set up. Mm. So here's a question that I think a lot of people will have. Maybe, you know, we got people listening to this from all sides that some, a lot of people are just kind of exploring Christianity, trying to figure out where do I fit into this mix? And for some of them to hear a serious scientist such as yourself go, yeah, I follow Jesus at the same time. That's an earth shattering kind of, 
you know, where is that coming from? Like, I didn't even know that was possible. Um, what's your story? Like, how, how did you decide to follow Jesus with your life? And then how does that mesh with you being a scientist, maybe even? But, but maybe just starting with that first question, how did you decide to follow Jesus? Sure. Um, so I was raised in a Christian home. So it began at a young age. Uh, and I said, uh, you know, the prayer, the sinner's prayer when I was four. And, um, you know, I think that's where I was first exposed to that. Um, but then getting into science is when you really start to wrestle with what does this mean to me? And not, not just scientists, but everybody wrestles with it as they grow up and have to make the faith something personal on their own. Um, so as I've learned about science and, and become a scientist and spent time in the lab, um, you know, I also spend other time uh, understanding what this means. So what is every, all these things, all these things that I observe, what do they mean? Why does why are things here? Mm. I think that those questions are out, found outside of the lab. And I think I found the best answers to those in Christ and God and the Bible. And, and that's, that's where I'm at today. Brett, I'm going to key in on, you know, one of my favorite stories that you've told me, um, you entered an institution and like your first meeting with, you know, someone that was overseeing you, they basically said, by the time you're done here, you're going to be an atheist. Like you're not going to believe in God, you know, tell me the truth about that. But also, you know, tell me, I mean, did you ever feel like that was true or just, I mean, how did you navigate all of that knowing you're walking in somewhere where people feel this strongly already? Right. Um, I think that, and I, that person that I worked with was great person to work with. I I don't think he was trying to be uh, mean, um, but, um, I think coming from a Christian household, coming from the church, and this was in my first week in New York city, uh, I think some people considered me naive that I just hadn't, I've been sheltered and now I'm, I'm in the real arena of science and I'm going to be enlightened. And, uh, and, you know, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. I think that's sometimes how scientists view Christians is that they just haven't thought deep enough yet. Um, and I don't think that's true. I don't think I don't find that to be true of a lot of people that I've met. Um, so I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that's because I think that's an important place to start. And I think you've kind of hit on this. But, you know, our main question today is why can't science answer all of our questions? How about mm-hmm. we do this? What questions do you think science answers well and what doesn't it answer well? And then I think that'll be helpful for our listeners just to start there. Um, yeah. So what does science answer? Well, it does answer questions. Uh, that's why we look at it. Uh, how things work is, is what science is all about. Um, it's taking nature, observing it, and coming up with hypotheses and then testing them. And that's the scientific method in a nutshell. And I, I think it works great. I, I'm figuring out how things work. How, how does the sun produce heat? How does a cell move around in, 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 uh, in the body? Those, how things work is, is, I think, a principal question that science answers. Um, I would also, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think science also answers some of the questions of what is God like? Um, and now I know that's maybe my, my take on it as a, as a scientist. That's also a Christian, but I think 
uh, and the Bible backs this up in several places that we can observe characteristics of God in his nature and, and the things that he's made. Mm. I think those are the questions that science can, can answer, but yeah. What's a, what's a specific example of like his nature that you kind of see and, and you have permission to speak scientifically, even if it goes over John in my head, <laughs> which it probably will at least John's head. Well, I, I, I just, um, the expansiveness of it, the size of the universe down to the intricateness of a cell and DNA and atoms. If there's just such a wide scope of things that are observable in nature and and the other thing I, that I see personally is is order, that you know that our bodies run because they're in a very set state of homeostasis, very specific temperature, very specific sodium concentration, and all these things have to be correct for life. And I just think that creation shows that God attention to detail, as well as just his overwhelming power at the scope of what has been made. Mm. So. So what do you think science doesn't answer, or at least not answer well, will be fair? To be fair, right. Um, for me, what science doesn't answer is if you ask why enough times, science is not going to have the answer for you. Um, why, is the, why does this earth spin around the sun? And you could, scientists would argue, because that's matter coalesced due to gravity to form planets that spin around the sun. But where did that come from? Why, why is that here? And I think if you ask why enough times, you reach something that you can't observe. Science is about observation. And so now you're out of the realm or you're at the, at the point that scientists or, and Christians are answering those questions. I think those are all faith answers. There's no evidence. You don't have, you have your best guess based on what you've observed, but now you're making faith answers where science is not involved in that. That's not mm. what it does. Hmm. Wow. I think as I th think about, you said something just, a you know, several minutes ago that kind of is sticking it with me, uh, you know, as, as scientists, you say, well, we're making our best guess right now in, in terms of, but that's actually a good thing. And actually that, that resonates, I think, as someone who comes from a theological background, you know, that's where I spend a lot of my time and Peter spends a lot of his time. Sometimes you go, even in theology, honestly, there's some things that you know and some things that you go, well, right now I'm taking my best guess at this and and kind of going for it based off of what I see and how I'm reading things. Um, I think there's more overlap between those two fields than we sometimes think. Um, so what do you think the biggest misunderstanding that scientists have about Christians are? And then maybe what are some of the biggest misunderstandings the opposite way that you think Christians have about scientists? Um, maybe if you could answer those two questions, I think that you, you've already hinted at some of that in there right. in your responses yeah. already, but, but maybe fleshing that out a little bit more. Right. Um, so I think one of the misconceptions that scientists have about Christians is that we are naive or ignorant, or we just haven't we're sheltered or we, we, want, we want to believe something that makes us feel good. Um, and I don't think that's true. I, that's not true for me. I, I think I've wrestled with a lot of these questions uh, for my years as a scientist and a human. And, and when I talk to people at the church, whether they be scientists or not, we all ask the same fundamental questions. Um, and I don't think 
very many people, though I'm sure it's possible, don't worry about these big questions or you wouldn't have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And another big misconception that I think even scientists hold is that most scientists are atheists. And that's not true. That's not backed up by surveys. A, a 2005 Pew Research survey said that about 51% of scientists believe either in God or a higher power. Now, that's definitely skewed towards the normal population. Um, I think it's much higher among non-scientists. But there are plenty of scientists that are also Christians. Uh, my PhD advisor was one. I've, I don't think I've ever been in a lab where there wasn't some other Christians in there as well. Um, so I think those are misconceptions that uh, science have about Christians. Um, and then the other question, uh, what misconceptions do Christians maybe have about science scientists? Um, in my experience, scientists are wonderful people. I, and, and another way to say it is uh, they're not the enemy. Scientists are not the enemy of the Christian. I think that's a false narrative. And I think that... Um, you know, I just I think that creates a lot of enmity where there doesn't need to be there. I think uh, I think there's plenty of room for science in Christianity, and I believe that you know it might do well for Christians not to view scientists as some. You should be picture the mad scientist in the white coat trying to ruin the world. That's you know I think scientists, whether they're Christian or not, are just trying to understand uh, the physical universe that we live in, and I, I don't think I think that doesn't matter what their background is. So I, I, I think we don't, we don't need a few scientists like that. So Brett, let me, let me have some fun with you. I'm going to try to, <laughs> I'm going to try to bring up the polar opposite. Okay. Um, so like there's Christians out there right now that say, I don't give a rip about what science says. I'm just going to have faith. I'm going to not social distance. God's going to protect me. And then I think on the other end, like with the scientist conversation is like, like if you, I think some Christians believe that like if science in its ultimate reality of taking it forward, it's just survival of the fittest. Like, you know, here's like, if the, if the cell isn't strong enough, it dies. That's just natural. So on one hand, you know, it's, it can be seen as wishful thinking that nothing bad's going to happen. On the other hand, it's almost like Jack London's naturalism in White Fang. And what do you think about those false choices? You know, just because you've you've probably seen both of them as people talk to you. Sure, sure. Um, so I'll start with the first one, a person that just, I, I hear what the scientist is saying and I don't want to listen, so I'm not going to do it. And I have faith. And, um, you know, I think that is at its heart. I think you're choosing, you're not, it sounds like you're choosing God over science, but what you're really choosing in that instance is yourself over science mm-hmm. that I have, I'm not, maybe not that I'm smarter than scientists, but I, I'm not going to buy into what they're saying because I know better. Um, and you're also discounting the fact, and I've, I've hinted at this earlier, that um, nature, God's creation, has laws. It, it works the way that he designed it to work. Uh, germs fly six feet or more when you sneeze. That faith doesn't, isn't a part of that. That's, that's the way that 
God made sneezes may, maybe too strong. So, <laughs> the fall, but we won't go there. Don't worry. <laughs> so I, I believe if if you believe in a God that created the universe you live in, you, well, you have to believe that universe works the way that he made it to work. Uh, and, and to do so, I, I don't think is relying on faith. I think that's just relying on just your own biases towards science. Um, as far as the, the other way, um, the extreme science, I wouldn't say extreme, but the, the atheistic, atheistic view that is everything is determined by natural selection. And we're here because we were the strongest, you know, apes in the jungle at some point. Um, you know, I, I think, I think if that's what you believe in, I think you've already kind of made up your mind before you've started observing anything. I think you've already taken God off the table and now you, all you're left with is, is that ex explanation, natural selection and things happening by chance, you know? So I think that's all you're left with. And I think it leaves a lot of holes um, such as, you know, questions science can't answer, even scientific questions, where is consciousness? Mm -hmm. uh, if there was a big bang, where, how did that start? Like what set it off? Um, you know, I think that you, you end up missing out on even asking some of these questions if you've already taken God out of the picture before you started asking, why is this here? Some of the bigger questions. Hmm. Yeah, this is really good. And I think a lot of people can hmm. resonate with what you're, how you're describing things right now. And I'm thinking about people who are listening who might be even raised in a in a situation like you were like mm -hmm. raised in an environment that was a christian environment but now they're kind of questioning everything and it's kind of rocking their world maybe it's a college student a high school student um somebody freshly out of college but just somebody who's really going like well, hold on this doesn't jive with me this what i'm hearing doesn't jive with what i was taught all growing up like how do you what are maybe let's just take that one example of creation of God creating everything. How did you personally make sense for that in in your life, uh, in your science? And uh, you, this doesn't have to. You, this isn't like explaining it for all scientists everywhere, right. or or anything like that. But just personally for you. How did you work your way through that? Hold on. Hold on, John. Uh, yeah. I want to have some fun with this one because I want to get super specific. So, yeah. um, you know, talk to us about the six literal days, but also talk to us like how does a scientist read Genesis? Now, I don't understand it. This is why we're going to let you explain it. But some people would argue like the days are out of order. So I'd love for you to take, you know, creation from that example and just kind of explain your process of how you went through it. Sure. Um, I think I was, I've definitely wrestled, wrestled with these questions to the podcast listener. I've been there. Um, um, I think I had some excellent guidance and from people that are probably better speakers on the subject than I, uh, when I was in New York city, I got to attend Redeemer Presbyterian as my church. So Tim Keller was my pastor. Um, so the reason for God is a, is a great book on this, on this topic. And it also goes into the six literal days where the Genesis one was a little more poetic and Genesis two, a little more historical, you know, I'll let, I'll let them go into that. Um, so sorry, what was the rest of your question, Peter? <laughs> no, it's all good. Like, how do you, so some scientists would say like 
it's out of order the way God created the oh, world. Sure. And yeah. and also just the six literal is it really six literal days? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why I was pointing towards uh, I think Tim Keller and, and and also Francis Collins, who is the um, the lead scientist at the NIH, head of the NIH, you can almost consider the nation's top, one of the top scientists, uh, has a great book on this. Uh, uh, the title escapes me, but uh, just evolution alongside of uh, faith in Christ. Um, and, and so I've read all those books and I've digested them, and I, I really, I don't, see, I don't personally have a conflict between uh, evolution and the Bible. I, I don't, I think if you, I don't, I don't see, I don't have that for me. And I've spent a good many hours thinking about it. Um, so yeah, I, and I, I don't know, this might ruffle some feathers. I, I don't believe that they were six literal days and I don't believe the earth is 6,000 years old, but I also think the tent of Christianity is way bigger than that. Um, you know, we're talking about why do we exist? And, and I think that in either case, God was instrumental, the author of the creation, however long it took, whatever the process was. Um, and so part of my mind relaxed when I just, I, I don't think that's the key question, um, you know, unto why I'm here. I, I think that's a false narrative that some scientists do buy into. If I can prove uh, everything evolved, then that proves God doesn't exist. So that's, that's not true. That's, that's not a lot. That's a logical fallacy. You can't prove a negative that way um, or anyway, really. So that, that's how I feel about that very specific subject. Hmm. So how would you answer that question? I think you've, you've said that a couple times, Brad, as we've been mm-hmm. having this discussion, like, why am I here? Um, you know, in your own life, how have you had to grapple with that? And what, what conclusion have you come to after grappling with that question, even as a scientist and a human being, you know? Yeah, I think this brings this is and this is personal. I know this won't be true for everyone, but as a scientist, the question that I always always cropped up in my mind when I was struggling is maybe it's not it's more of a statement. Um, how can this all be chance? How can um, and I just that that just seems very false to me that everything around me is just happenstance, and uh, and even you know if I. When I was reading these books and I was investigating this for myself, uh, that's just the part that seemed the least true to me is if, if, if you side with the, the atheistic approach to life is that this is more than just chance. And maybe that's a personal feeling and I don't have any evidence for you. I don't have an experiment to, to prove that to you. Hmm. Um, and so why am I here? Um, and that I'm here because I'm, I've been put here hmm. and I, and I feel, I feel I've been put here by, something i think the christian faith a god that has a relationship with you that wants you to love him and love your fellow man um that seems the truest way to live for me personally and so that's why i'm a christian uh and also a scientist and i think i love being a scientist who's a christian because i get to spend my days understanding creation better so brett i kind of want to come back because you're bringing up some like really good points and one of the things that i'm concerned about as like a pastor and a leader. So we recently had an episode about deconstruction. You know, you're in my small group. So you've shared with me, you know, stories about friends that you have that have kind of given up on faith. And, you know, John and I spent a lot of time talking about 
the the bloggers and podcasters Rhett and Link. Um, you know, I think they're very talented, very smart, but in their deconstruction stories, like they cited science as reasons why they've walked away from Christianity. Um, and, and the thing that I, so this is what I don't want to, I don't want to say you have to like pick atheism or Christianity, but as you've talked with your friends, maybe you've seen the Rhett and Link stuff, as you've talked about deconstruction, there seems to be, and I'm sure some of our listeners are struggling, there's this weird place of, I kind of believe science, like, I really believe science, but I'm not going to close the door on God, but I don't think Christianity is the right system. So in your conversations and your experiences, what have you observed about those deconstruct, like basically saying, I'm leaving the Christian church because of science, but I'm not closing the door on God. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had lots of those conversations and um, I think, I think it goes kind of outside of science, probably to some of your other why God, why questions. I feel like a lot of people that have left religion might cite science, but it's really a, um, it's something else. It's an interaction they had in the church or, um, you know, or something, or a tragedy happened that they just, you know, they've they've lost God. They've been disillusioned with an existence of a loving God. I think, you know, I don't think it's science at its core that's going to lead you away from God because that's those aren't the questions that science is going to answer. Um, uh, a God that cre- is above creation, made creation, I don't think it can be answered by the scientific method. So, you know, th- those conversations, I, I just. I asked, well, what's really going on? Um, maybe, maybe you cited science and whether it's true or not, I think you've, and I've seen, I have seen one of those written link episodes and my thought process when watching them was, well, it seems like they already made their bed and they're just trying to, they've already made their minds up and now they're just trying to f- find logical steps to get to where they want to go. Um, it, it didn't seem to me as an object, objective approach. Um, but again, I think God is more uh, experiential, observational. I think it's above, you know, observe, hypothesize, and test. Hmm. Yeah, maybe this would resonate with you. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this. And, you know, as you've processed this with people in your life. But for me, I feel like a lot of people that I know who have gone through that process have really struggled with disappointment in one area of their life or another area. And it's almost like they can cling to something more, science almost seems more solid to them uh, than uh, the mystery of who God is. It kind of seems too mysterious to them. Um, Mm -hmm. And and they've just been so disappointed by maybe it was a false kind of belief system that they were set up with that, that caused them to go there. Have you found that true in the people that you've interacted with too, that, that it's kind of like this underlying disappointment um, or they've been hurt in some other way? Yeah, I do. I do see that a lot. I, I see people that are hurt by their own belief system that set them up to be, feel very guilty or feel, you know, dissatisfied with their life or, um, or possibly hurt by, you know, a certain, the way their religion was set up or the way that their church was set up that maybe didn't 
really reflect, uh, you know, the Bible and, and, and what Christ is really about. So I, I, I do see that. I see, and I see, I think, you know, the influence that people have, that Christians have, uh, even within the church, um, can play a role in help in how people, why people might leave it. And also people's, people's own thought life, I think is more, uh, the genesis of some of this deconstruction than, uh, I think observe observational fact in science. So Brett, let me, let me have fun with you again. So, you know, you've talked about people that go through deconstruction and you said you made a comment, they've already made their bed and lie in it. Um, would you say you've already made your bed and you lie in it or is it a different process? The funny thing is we're talking to an actual scientist that does this. So you're listening to some of this and it's kind of like, I can see you kind of tipping your head, being more curious, not necessarily judging. But um, if someone said to you, Brett, you already, you already made your bed and you're just trying to lie in it. How would you respond to them? Um, I don't think there's a human exists that doesn't have some sort of, that doesn't have a background. Everybody has the events in their life that have shaped them. And uh, I would argue that I have spent my years, you know, wrestling with, the truth that made the most sense to me. And I, something that resonates the most with me is, is Christianity and, and a loving God. But, you know, I, um, I, I can't open up the contents of my mind and let someone review my thought past, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I think it's, it, that goes to the, the root of, I think what a relationship with God is for is it's, it's an intercession between the Holy spirit and him and you and, and that's where the understanding is. And so it's outside of science. And I know a scientist will hate that answer and um, say, well, that's just an anecdote. Uh, how, how can you prove it to me? And I just say, well, you have to go and see for yourself uh, in response to that question. Hmm. That's a that's a really uh, it's it's kind of a scientific answer as well as a spiritual answer. Go and see for yourself, right? I mean, it's kind yeah. of like this leading, like you you have to experience it for yourself. Um, so I wonder what you would tell somebody if you were able to to speak directly to that person listening to this podcast right now, who's really going through a time in their life where they're starting to question things and. Um, they're going, man, I don't know how Christianity lines up with science and I'm having deep doubts right now, if this is even possible for them to line up, what would you tell that person who's listening right now? Cause they're, they're listening and we're thankful you're listening. What would you tell them? I, I would have to reiterate what I just said. I think the first step you would have to take is to evaluate your own, um, thought architecture. I, I, I mean, I would really see what preconceptions you already have and lie them down. And I know that's really difficult. And I think people are terrible at determining what their own, uh, uh, you know, their own uh, structure is for this. Uh, uh, but I think scientists, if I take them as an example, have already decided God doesn't exist. And then they operate in that arena. Or many of them, many haven't, obviously. Um, but if you can set those down and with an open mind, go experience God for a while. Take a few months, pray, read, fellowship, uh, read some read some uh, some good books on the subject. 
I, because I believe objectively that God exists. I don't think it's subjective to me. And I don't think it's just, oh, Christians believe in Christ. That's fine for them. We, I believe in it because I think it's an objective truth. And so I don't think that I think God is bigger than that challenge, that gauntlet that I've put down. And I think you will experience him and find him. So that's what I would encourage a person that's struggling with that. And I think the hardest part is the first step, setting aside, you know, some hurts and some past wrongs to go experience it that directly for yourself. You know, and what I appreciate about this conversation too, is like to all the listeners out there, you know, I grew up with people who I think did the best they could with what they believed. You know, Brett, you and I went to a Christian school, actually, John, you went to a Christian school too, but you know, I mean, I was taught six literal days, any, abstraction from that was wrong and it really wasn't till my 20s that i had these conversations with people you know probably if i was to stray away from christianity it'd more have to do with the suffering question but i feel like now i've come into contact with just some very thoughtful wise christian leaders that just they're curious they're empathetic and they're just kind of saying like, like what you said, this tent is big enough for you to have some different scientific beliefs than what traditionally was historic in the Bible. And one kind of last thought on that, when Galileo, um, when Galileo ended up, you know, talking about how, and again, if I get the scientists wrong, that the sun was the center of the universe, um, like he was like questioning the church. And now he's this espoused Christian. Like, so there's been Christians in science that have done that. I don't know, John, do you have, actually, I should stop here. Brett, is it Galileo? Did I get that right? It's Galileo thought the, the earth was the center of the universe. Oh, he did. Mm. And, the sun revolved, and the sun revolved around the earth. Mm. So, and was it Copernicus that switched that around? That I'm not so clear on. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, to all my science friends, I'm I believe trying. it is. Uh, John yeah. believes it's Copernicus, uh, but <laughs> what does John know? <laughs> I believe that's why they call it a Copernican revolution. Am I right? And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Who, that's, I'm not more a science. that's more history than science. That's true. That's I do enjoy the history. We so. landed at the right place. That's right. <laughs> I mean, John, I mean, in like as we kind of come to a close, I mean, we've all grown up in Christianity. I mean, you've seen it with college students and I'm just kind of curious how you're processing this conversation because it's not so much of a false choice, so to speak. No, it isn't. And I think, I think what Brett has highlighted throughout all of our conversation is, is kind of the false dynamic, the dichotomy that we set up sometimes in our society. We like to pit one group versus another group. And I just don't think that's, that's reality. And as soon as those, those, you know, barriers come down that we've set up, I think then we can have some real meaningful dialogue with each other and discover that the differences aren't as vast as we think they are. You know, I spend a lot of my time, uh, I spent like 11 years serving at RIT, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. And I learned, I, I just grew to know so many scientists who had a faith background and uh, students who were training to be scientists who had a faith background. So um, 
So I, I do think it's a false dichotomy to say these things are at odds with each other. Um, but I do think it, at the same time, we need to address what's there and to lean into it. And I think that's what's been so helpful with this conversation with Brett today about this, is that it's allowed us to bring down those walls a little bit. As I think through this opportunity we have sitting here with Brett during the coronavirus, I just, before we get to our last question, I would love to 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 have one more question with you that, again, I didn't prep you for, but what are you going to do? I don't know. You've joined the Why God Why podcast, so, you know. <laughs> what advice would you give? You are, like, it, I would be totally remiss if I didn't ask this question because I have a biochemist who is on the call here with us right now. What advice would you give people in the midst of this virus crisis? What would you tell them to do? Just from your scientific expertise, what would you tell people is really important to do right now? Yeah, I would say uh, stay the course. I know social distancing is difficult. Um, and I know it hurts people to stay at home and not work. Um, but this is a novel virus that we are a attempting to understand B there's very little immunity around already for it. And so I think that the advice that our leaders, our scientists, scientific leaders are giving us is the best that they can give. And that's, and I know it's difficult. And so as much as possible, continue to distance, continue to watch your wash your hands, um, but also, uh, this is something that is not forever. This is something that we will, that will pass. We will get through this. Um, and so there's no need to panic and to get away from science a little bit. I think this is an opportunity for us to serve each other and support another, support one another. And, you know, so I, I would encourage you to do that while you're, you can see me I, I, on the, on this chat, you can see me at least that I'm stuck in my basement. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah, that would be my advice, and that there's not a scientific agenda uh, by a certain party or person to trying to keep you home. I think scientists are out there giving you the best advice to stay safe. I think that's really valuable, really valuable yeah. advice. I think we we get frustrated and we get, in a sense, disillusioned. I think just like spiritually, we can get disillusioned. I think we can get dis disillusioned politically and other areas of our lives. And we can start to think, oh, well, I want to do what I want to do. And that's going right. to make it better. Um, in reality, I think being listening to people who know what they're talking about is super important during this. So thanks for bringing that back yep. up to us. Yeah. Well, so let's uh, let's go to the question. What would Jesus have to say about this? So. Brett, um, if we have any heresy, you know, or any um, lay scientific thoughts, um, you can kind of go in there. Um, John, I'll get started and then uh, we'll, we'll roll to you. And um, so as I was thinking about, uh, you know, what would Jesus have to say about this? As I was thinking about this topic, you know, I'll just be transparent. You know, this is a very intimidating topic for us to talk about podcast wise. Um, this is not like something I sit and read, but I did have a thought, you know, coming in, which was, you know, Luke, the gospel of Luke, which is a biography of Jesus. Verse one starts off with my dearest Theophilus. I give you a detailed report of Jesus. 
And I think sometimes we we scan over that verse and forget. But Luke is a doctor that's writing to a highly intelligent audience of his time. So imagine, you know, if Luke lived today, it would be like he was writing to the RIT crowd. And he said, hey, RIT friends, I've written you a detailed account about Jesus. And that that gospel, that biography of Jesus is the most detailed with observations. Saying, and it's almost as if if you're the scientist and you're distrusting Jesus and and maybe it's not even you distrust Jesus, you want to like Jesus, but you've been so hurt in the past by people dismissing your questions about evolution, maybe about DNA. I would encourage you to start there. Maybe not even through Jesus, but maybe in reading how a scientist from the first century thought of Jesus might be a good first start to at least open your eyes. And I just kind of think in God's infinite wisdom to have someone write the gospel of Luke, who's a doctor, is just something refreshing that we don't take a moment to think about. What do you think, John? Wow, I think that's a really great observation. And as you're talking, I was thinking about a similar book of the Bible, uh, talking about Jesus, just John. In the very beginning of the book of John, it, it starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and it's talking about Jesus, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. And it's just kind of this real bam, in your face kind of way to talk about who Jesus really was, but it talks about him being there in the very beginning. And and, and Luke was a medical doctor uh, and John was not, but he was writing to a very intellectual crowd, Greeks, who really prized their intellect. And so he goes throughout his story of Jesus' life and really unfolds it uh, in a way that Greek people of the time would really resonate with. And so I think if, if maybe you don't, if, if you read through Luke and then you go, I don't know, Jesus is still kind of captivating me, go then to John and read it from another perspective, another intellectual perspective, and gain that perspective. And I think the more you look at Jesus and take it away from, from all these side arguments, but look at who Jesus is and let that inform your decision— about whether to follow him or not, I think then that reframes a lot of our, the questions that we have inside of our head. So that's what I where my mind went. But Brett, we'll let you take us home here. <laughs> well, it's, hard, it's hard to follow those thoughts up. Um, I what would Jesus say about this topic? Um, you know, in Psalm nineteen one, David says that you know the storms declare God's glory. I think that nature declares a lot God's glory. Romans 1, it says, uh, you know, we can understand God from what was made. So I think nature creation is, is art. It's something to be looked at, but remind you that there's an artist. And I think Jesus would say, don't forget, you have access to that artist. Um, you have direct line of contact. You can call him anytime, pray anytime to understand more about the creator and that it's above the creation. And that that's more than just, it's not just a painting. Someone painted it. And I think creation's in the same way. Wow. What a, what a great podcast. Hey, um, you know, I didn't know that your daughters wanted to say hello to us, Brett. Is that on your end? Can you hear them? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> hey, this is the coronavirus files. Um, I'm big fan. I'm so of your sorry. I think oh, no, no. My, my four year old's learning how to ride a bike. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's gonna that... just make it's just gonna make it that much better. What were you gonna say, John? I'll let you. No, that just adds authenticity to our our conversation right there. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. You, you, me, Jimmy Fallon, and uh, you know Jimmy Kimmel, all of us. So. Hey, um, if you want to follow the Why God Why podcast, go to whygodwhypodcast.com. One of the things you can do is you can subscribe to our weekly emails. We make sure we prompt you to listen to our podcast. Um, If you're going to share this podcast, use hashtag WGW podcast. That's also our handles for Twitter and Instagram. And then you can also find us on Facebook. We would love for you to leave us a review. Um, as I would say, a five-star review, as John would say, um, whatever you feel, and especially if it's a five-star. And then write us a few comments. Um, we hope that this is helping you grow. So have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us at the Why God Why podcast. Why God Why.